Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Okay, broads. Well, hey, broads. <laughs> okay, I just have to get into it because I'm raring to go. I was DMing. I don't remember why. I don't usually DM with followers because I'm a lot better than that, you know, <laughs> as you guys know. Um, you know, so got to keep my feet out of the mud, so they say. Just kidding. But, but actually, but actually, I don't. I don't generally like converse back and forth in my DMs in general with like well, people did, I don't know. You probably also then wouldn't have time in the day to like take care of your children. Sure. Yeah. Well, just generally, I'm like I get. Yeah. I generally don't like converse back and forth. But I started conversing back and forth with this person. I don't even remember what we were talking about. But they brought up like, oh, I was. I was like raised in an Amway cult. I guess I must have been talking about cults or something on my Instagram. Anyway. She was like, if you ever want me to come on and talk about it, um, I would be glad to. And so I told Jess, I'm like, hey, we should like, maybe we should talk about this. And then Jess was like, yeah, let's do it. Sounds cool. So which has brought us here today. We are going to do a full dive into Amway and a little bit about MLMs and pyramid schemes in general. And then which I have to say, too. Every time we post like a question box about like, what would you like us to yes. talk about? There are always numerous asks to dive into MLMs. Yeah. 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 No, Multi-level it, yeah. marketing. Yes. yes. And it, so I'm always like, okay, the broads want to talk about this. Like, let's talk about it. Yeah. So I'm excited because we're just going to like talk about some of this stuff. And then we're going to have on a broad who had just from the snippets that she just told me over the DMs. A very fascinating upbringing uh, with two parents who were a part of Amway. So do you want to just like dive into it? Let's dive in. Okay. (sighs) Taking a deep breath before diving into this episode. And speaking of breathing, broads, making sure that the air that you breathe in your home is clean is one of the easiest, most effective ways to feel your best, especially during allergy season, okay? Today's episode is sponsored by my absolute favorite air purifier that I cannot even believe I lived without for so long, and that is Air Doctor. Air Doctor's pretty much the gold standard when it comes to clean air. They use an ultra HEPA filter. It's been tested and proven to remove Get this number, guys. 99.9% of bacteria and viruses as small as 0.003 microns. I don't even know what that is, but all you need to know is that it's 100 times smaller than even the HEPA standard. So pretty much nothing gets past the Air Doctor 3000. And Air Doctor uses a patented whisper fan, so it's so much quieter than most purifiers. I don't even remember that it's on most of the time, but wow, do I feel the difference. Uh, So go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code chatty and you'll receive a 35% discount on the classic air doctor 3000 purifier that's right 35% off but only if you go to a i r d o c t o r p r o 
airdoctorpro.com and use promo code chatty. That's airdoctorpro.com and use promo code chatty. I also want to make something clear at the top. We used to do this at the top of episodes and we stopped doing this and we need to get back into it. I already know where you're going. We used to say, <laughs> this is not a TED Talk. This is not a fucking TED Talk. <laughs> this is not a TED Talk because we are not experts. Granted, I'm not going to lie. I have, t- I have I mean, TED Becca, Talk like notes today. Becca I do. came in. There was pre- there's been preparation oh, done. Oh, yeah. Both of us have been researching. on these things. In fact, I don't think we're experts on anything except our own lives. Except me. Except me. We might. We are. Do you think we're like me? We were maybe ep- experts on The Bachelor. I think we we're getting to that point, to be honest. I think Maybe. Dude, don't you have to put in like 10,000 hours? Like, I feel like we were, we were, oh, we were getting I to think, our 10,000 like hours. I feel like we've accrued that for sure. Definitely professionals. <laughs> I mean, I lived it. So does those hours count? Oh, a thousand percent. You, so, yeah, you're no, you're a, you're a bachelor expert. I might okay. be a bachelor professional. Okay. There's, I feel like maybe there's a difference between professional okay. and like expert level. Right. Like you have gotten your doctorate in bachelordom <laughs> okay, and yeah. I'm like, you know, I got my bachelor's degree right. in the bachelor. So yeah. Okay. Cause I'm just doing the math. I, I put in, oh, that's actually not much. I only put in seven, like about 800 hours on the bachelor filming it. That's and that's 24 hours a day. Sleeping well, we've watched too. a lot of the seasons and we also True. have recorded for many hours. So that's I true. feel like at that point after recording about like 300 episodes about Although it, we haven't even put in a thousand hours of podcasting. We haven't even gotten to that. How yet. is that possible? That actually makes me sad. <laughs> I know. I know. The other day I was like doing the math because we're coming up on 400 episodes and I'm like, damn, 400 episodes. That's a lot. But episodes, that's a lot. But then when you start thinking about it in hours, it's not even a thousand hours. Well, God, now I feel like I have to just like get behind the <laughs> mic and just start. We have to just start pumping it out until we at least hit a thousand. Because know, that we're feels OK. OK, 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 OK. Maybe if you add in like the planning and then like the prep and the watching of the shows for certain so things. So we have our bachelor's degree. Yes, bachelor's degree. In the bat on the bachelor, you're a doctorate to me, but okay, thank you, yeah. thank you, Doctor Becca. <laughs> well, the point but is, yeah. we're not doctorates in this, but we wanted to get into it, do some research, and talk about it. Okay, what did? Can I just okay? Can I can I can I give you some background on on uh, on pyramid schemes, please, Queen? Okay, so first of all, this is something that's kind of this is what I found so fascinating so learning about MLMs and like Amway in general, and then like pyramid schemes yes. because the two it's interesting because a pyramid scheme is actually something that's illegal right so the, it is the, the federal trade commission does not if they investigate and they find out that you're operating a pyramid yes. scheme you're in big 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 trouble yes however amway other plenty i mean there's a bazillion you could you could go on and on um avon the, yeah avon um mary kay LuLaRoe, mary kay i mean it's there, there's a bazillion. There's lots one. of MLMs. Yes, um, I remember there was one when I was in high school that was like specifically geared to teens, which is also so sketchy because you'd have to get your parents' credit card in oh, order wow, that to is do sketch payments balls. on it. It was called like Verve. <laughs> also, I know that there's a lot of um, companies that I use that oh. I didn't even know were from MLMs. Oh yeah, like some products that I use sure. that I like that were you know to yeah. be honest, that like I've used DoTerra and Young Living for yes, instance. Those yes, are MLMs. and I I remember not I have had no idea. Well, that's what's interesting, and that's what you kind of come. All right, here's the definition of a pyramid scheme. Well, at least this is how a senior economist at the FTC defines it. His name's Peter Van Nat. Anyway, a pyramid scheme is where participants gain their monetary benefits. Primarily through recruitment Mm -hmm. rather than the sales of goods and services to the consumers. Okay. So that's a pyramid scheme. Um, So the difference then with an MLM 
would be well we're gonna get into that because that's where things get a little little fuzzy and what's very interesting about amway in particular is that there is a lot of crossing paths with uh politics mm-hmm. and politicians it is actually going to i don't know if you got into any of this when you're doing your research but it blew my mind mm-hmm. how some of these people were involved in politics especially in the 70s and 80s uh-huh um yeah it is wild but anyway so something so their mlms are obviously different too so something like doTERRA or young living their product is actually really well known and is like regularly distributed yes. you know like that's some they are actually known for their product yes. versus Something like an Amway where it seems pretty clear that like the product they're offering is not the main focus. Mm-hmm. It's the recruitment. I just watched a documentary on Herbalife last night called Betting on Zero. And with Herbalife, it's like um, a lot of their protein powders and stuff were triple or quadruple the cost of what you could just go to a grocery store and get. Okay. At which point, and there's even like, this is where it gets super sketchy. There are you know, people being filmed in recruitment meetings and all that saying like, it's not about the product. It's about getting more people to sign up under you. That's how you're going to make mm-hmm. your money, which mm-hmm. is kind of the definition of a pyramid scheme. But anyway, the first notable pyramid scheme was from a man named Charles Ponzi. And this is where you get the term Ponzi, Ponzi scheme. scheme. Okay. It was not the first one ever because this idea is fairly basic, but this is the most notable one. What I thought was really interesting is Charles Ponzi kind of came up during the Gilded Age, the late Mm -hmm. 1800s, which there was a lot of talk about the Gilded Age recently with the Met Gala. It's known for its rapid industrial expansion and a large economic imbalance between those at the top and a massive labor force, which sounds kind of familiar at this point. You know, Mm -hmm. early Mm -hmm. 1900s, lots of factory workers, lots of people who were barely making enough to support their families while the people at the top were mega, 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 mega wealthy. Um, I also running the country, you may say. Yes. Did yes. you also know know that it was called? I just learned this. It was called the Gilded Age because the the, the idea is there's this gilded gold glittery surface that's covering all the stuff below. I had I didn't no put that idea, together. and that gives me chills in a horrifying way. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like terror. Chills. That's why they called it the Gilded Age because okay. it was like you know they make it it's make it it makes it sound so glamorous, but then the definition you're like the gold oh, and is gilding over is. something super dark, all this dark oh, stuff okay, going wow. under the surface, wow. P- poverty, people suffering, yeah. whatever. Okay, he was an Italian immigrant and a scam artist, and what I found ironic and sad is that later on his scheme was specifically targeting like fellow immigrants who are stuck in poverty and this is also a theme that i saw with herbalife when i was watching the documentary is they often preyed upon undocumented citizens and trying to get people who are basically like the most most vulnerable Mm -hmm. to recruit on board okay here's was what his scheme was there are these things called like they were postage stamp coupons so you would redeem this coupon for postage stamps that's just something that's so out of, I feel like, our, yeah. our normal life I'm like, life what's now. that? Stamps.com? <laughs> That's what I know about. So these postage stamp coupons, they're because of the exchange rate. You could buy them in Italy and get them super, super cheap. And then they would still be, they were international coupons. So you okay. could use them in the U.S. So you could basically like sell them in the U.S. at a profit. Got it. By okay. buying them in Italy. Okay. So that's kind of what he started out is like, hey, look, I can buy these 
coupons in Italy. You can use them and sell them in the United States and you're going to profit because the exchange rate is like so different Mm -hmm. in these two different countries. So what he started doing is he started bringing on investors saying like, hey, invest. I'm going to get these coupons. He was promising like huge turns in profit, like you're going to get a 50% return within like 30 days or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, So people started coming on. And of course, how most pyramid schemes work is the first people that get in on it, they're making their they're making their profit. Of course. They're happy. They're now their job is to go out and recruit more people. So Mm -hmm. basically what he was doing, he was bringing in investors and then bringing and then he would bring in new more investors then he would pay the old investors with the new investors money which yes. obviously becomes an unsustainable business model uh-huh. because you are never you're actually operating like un, because you're 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 paying off the people with the new money even if when you haven't turned right, a profit right so they don't know the new people who are coming in who are getting paid with some of the older members money no no no. the the old members are getting paid with the new members money so let's say uh, ponzi got you on board two years ago or Mm -hmm. like two two months ago let's say i'm a new person oh i'm gonna invest a thousand dollars with charles ponzi and then he's like here jess here's some of the returns on your investment with my thousand dollars that i just gave him to invest and, and the people who are the new members they're assuming that that money is coming from Profits. Profits. Exactly. And that, I believe, is the definition of a Ponzi scheme, correct? <laughs> yeah, ba- basically, yeah. So so this is what was so wild to me. By July 1920, he was making, in 1920, a million dollars a day. Do you know what the ex- what what that correlates to now in the, into the 2020s? Smokes. That's approximately $14 million a day with this current inflation. This is like inflation. some Jeff Bezos shit. Straight up, like yeah. $14 million wow. a day. But here's the thing. <clears throat> um, in order to cover the investments, supposedly he should have been getting about 160 million postal coupons of, of these coupons. They, they were supposed to be in circulation. However, when things started getting investigated, only about 27,000 were actually in circulation. So he wasn't even buying these coupons. No. He's literally just recruiting and using their money to feed the old, to you fit, know, to, to keep it running. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, so the United States Post Office stated like, hey, no, these coupons are not being bought in any large quantity at home or abroad. Mm-hmm. These these literally aren't in circulation. Um, and the gross profit, this is also what was really interesting to me. The investments were huge, and so the profit margin should have been huge, but the actual overhead that would have been required to handle the purchases and redemption of these coupons, um, they were really low cost because they were stamps. You know, they're coupons for stamps, um, and they were sold individually. The overhead would have actually exceeded the profit. So even if he actually was buying these coupons, like the actual logistics of bringing them from Italy to the United States and like selling them individually would have exceeded that. Yeah, so there was no real. So, so it was a scheme. You know, okay. there's there's no actual. There's a skeleton structure. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up going to prison for a bunch of time. He got found out. But this this was wild to me. During his prison terms, Ponzi continued to get Christmas cards from some of his investors, as well as requests from others to continue investing their money, even from his prison cell. They're still they were so, so bought in. in. Yeah, and this is one thing about MLMs, which. I want to get into and schemes in general that uh, do kind of fit these characteristics of a cult. And I think we should talk more about this when we get bring on our guest. Um, But 
just have do you know anyone who's been in any kind of ponzi or pyramid scheme not an mlm because technically those aren't and i'll tell you why but yes okay so um i know many people who have been in mlms right uh, and currently still do um as far as a pyramid scheme or Ponzi scheme goes, the only person I know who was involved in a Ponzi scheme was Evan's uncle who went to prison for like 15 years. <laughs> so that's part of our side of the family. Yeah, this. My grandpa did a Ponzi scheme in the 80s. Really? My dad told me about it's like a quick one. Was he participating in it or um, was he the head of it? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how this goes. Okay, so he did a pyramid scheme called the plane game. Okay. So I didn't realize that there were these like kind of games that you would play where you're very aware that this is a scheme, but the scheme relies on if you get in at the right time, you'll make your money. Someone eventually is going to lose their money. Here's how this plane game worked. I find this so interesting. Okay. It's okay. There is a pilot, uh-huh. okay, in the plane, and then this is all made up, right? Right. It's this just is a, all, it's just what they call these it's positions. A, it's a metaphorical. Yes. <laughs> yes. So there's this pilot, okay, and then there are two co-pilots, okay, so two co-pilots under the pi- under the pilot, okay. Then there are four flight attendants under each of the co-pilot uh, under the co-pilots, okay. So one, two, four. The, these levels: one, first two, level, four, second uh-huh, level, uh-huh. third level, and then there's eight passengers. Okay. So how it's it works? <laughs> It's a it's a PJ. Yeah, and also uh, like a, a flight attendant, to, uh, one to every two people. That's, two that's nice. Yeah, it's good. This is a luxurious. It's very luxurious. So how it works is basically each person has to recruit two people. So the pilot has to recruit has to recruit two people under them. Okay. Those two people each have to recruit two people under them. Two people under them. That's how you get to the eight passengers. So once you have these eight passengers, once they all buy in, which typically was about fifteen hundred bucks, then the pilot would retire. Okay, with the the pilot takes the twelve grand that all these eight people have just invested, and then the co-pilot split into two new planes where they're now the pilots, and then the people who were the flight attendants are now the co-pilots and the four and four passengers are now so so, so what now they we have, have multiple to do, planes yeah <laughs> so now we have multiple planes but how it basically works is you're trying to just the each person has to try to get in two people at least to invest this 12 1200 or 1500 bucks and then if you can keep the plane moving uh-huh then you're making 12 grand once you eventually get to the pilot position so let me ask you something uh-huh. um in this metaphorical plane yeah uh, product is this metaphorical plane there's no product this so is, people this were is just a straight up pyramid scheme like so people were literally just giving playing money a game playing a game and just giving money and and it worked my grandpa got out with his 12 grand he he they each people everyone had recruited the people that they need to recruit and he got his money and went so it relies on keeping this money moving. Eventually, of course, it's going to fall apart. People aren't going to be able to get new people to invest whatever. People are going to lose out on their money. Do you know what all I'm thinking about, too, as you're saying this? I'm trying to imagine how much, like, how much of this is going on right now in uh-huh. the current, like, crypto world where things are, like, you can't touch them, right? And it's, like, invisible, like, how much shit, how many of these might be happening where people think they're, like, investing money into something, but because you can't, like, physically touch it. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. I don't know. I, that that if, if I even start thinking about it, it blows my mind. And yeah. It's a little too much to think yeah. about. Can't process it. But yeah, so so it. I mean, it does work to a certain point until you can't stop. You can't, until people stop recruiting new people, which is essentially how MLMs 
do work in a certain way. Um, right, because the MLM, there's a product. Yes. Okay. And you have, they basically have to prove that their product is the main way that people gain their income and not through recruitment. Okay. Which that's where things get a little fuzzy. Um, but yeah, yeah. So pyramid schemes are just focused on recruitment, no product, the product or the product is like a front. Okay. Now, Amway was founded by two men called Jay Van Andel and Richard DeVos. Oh, does that last name sound familiar? DeVos? Oh, Bet- Betsy DeVos? How oh. wild was oh. it to go down? Okay. Okay. Oh, has anybody heard Bernie Sanders? Yeah. Interviewing Betsy DeVos? Yeah. Right. Asking how much money her family has given the Republican Party and that family money is from DeVos. So, well, actually, this is what's so crazy, too, is that so Richard's son, mm-hmm. one of the CEO, original creators of Anway, Dick DeVos, he's the one who's married to Betsy DeVos. But yep. even Betsy DeVos's dad, do you know this, is Betsy's dad is Edgar Prince, a billionaire industrialist and founder of Family Research Council. That's Betsy's dad. Did you know that? I did not know that. Uh huh. So this all goes in very deep uh-huh. and very, very deep intertwined. Into, well, let's just say deep into uh, deep into our government, deep into who is being elected. Absolutely. This money is very connected to that. And there are millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, connected. absolutely. So Richard DeVos and Jay Van Andel, they had already been distributors of a product called Neutralite for 10 years, about 10 years before, which was one of the first original MLMs in the US it started in the 40s. Amway eventually acquired it. And, and actually, even now, Amway still sells Neutralite products. But anyway. Well, and do you know why they stopped? Neutralite for a second and started Amway. Why? So apparently at that current time, Neutralite is like, you know, health supplement or whatever. And that was being eyeballed by the FTC. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of companies, I forget the one specific one that had a huge lawsuit uh, because, you know, it proved to not work or whatnot. So they believed that getting their hands involved in Neutralite was a little sketchy that they could get in trouble. So then they stopped that, started Amway, and then eventually brought Neutralite onto Amway. Under under the Amway umbrella. Once that heat was taken off a little bit from that sector well what was wild then is in the 70s that's when devos started putting money behind his beliefs so he was making major donations to the christian freedom foundation which he chaired on um third century publishers which put out a guidebook on how conservative christians could win elections and help america become as it was when it was first founded a christian republic yeah and this is where i i do think so you know what i'll get in actually all of the different what makes a cult a cult? I think we can go deeper into that, like I said, when we have our guest on. But keep all of this in mind, sort of the religious affiliation, like a lot of Amway's core uh, messages mm-hmm. was about like bringing back good old American values, which Amway is short for the American way. Ooh. Ooh, it's, it's dark, it's right? Spooky. It's dark. In 1975, the FTC began investigating Amway as a pyramid scheme. Get this. Get this. In 1975, Richard DeVos and Jay Van Andel had a meeting with President Gerald Ford at the White House, mm-hmm. a 45-minute meeting mm-hmm. in 1975. Curious that they were having a meeting with the president. It's Or it's actually, I guess, quite beneficial that they're having a meeting with the president right when their business started getting investigated as a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. By the way, even on the Gerald Ford Foundation website, 
It shares that Richard DeVos was a longtime close friend of Gerald and Betty Ford. DeVos even served as an honorary pallbearer at General Ford State Funeral. And he's also an honorary trustee of the Gerald Ford Presidential Foundation. Okay, it's not okay. like they had any no, real involvement in each other's lives. Not, not like there would be any like uh, what you, conflict no. of interest. And interestingly enough, I would also encourage individuals. You can hear clips from um, all sorts of presidents uh, from Gerald Ford to Trump talking about Amway and their support of it. Well, <laughs> wild. Um, and then when you see the money. That comes in. Oh, yeah. It makes sense. Ronald Reagan, even this, this really blew my mind. He not only made Richard DeVos the finance chair of the Republican National Committee. Did you know he also um, made Richard DeVos part of the president's commission for the HIV epidemic? Uh huh. I'm sure Richard DeVos knew a lot about, about uh, the HIV epidemic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. So they're just part I of this little press no club. I had no idea. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I'm sweating right now. Like I am. Oh jeez. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 And in October. Okay. This is where. And I gotta give them all credit for this. I have to say. And my dad has always said this to me. One of the biggest mistakes that my parents made. So my dad says in their own personal like Christian journey was conflating biblical Christian values with the Republican Party values. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that started happening first in the 70s, but really blew up during like the 80s and 90s during Reagan's, um, yes. during while Reagan was in office and then has only kind of continued Surprisingly, on when then. an actor was in office. I wonder when yeah, that happened know, again, when so, a celebrity was in office. So wild. Well, in October 1994, Amway gave actually the biggest corporate contribution recorded to that date to a political party for a single election. They gave $2.5 million to the Republican National Committee. And um, that was the number one corporate political donor in the United States. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Richard DeVos even personally donated over $200 million to the Republican Party and other conservative groups over his lifetime. Yes. $200 million? Yes. Well, that was when, when Bernie was interviewing Betsy DeVos uh -huh. and was like, uh, has your family has your father has, has, has your has your family he even just said family in yeah. general uh, donated money to the Republican Party and she said yes we did and he's like do you know how much and she's like um I couldn't say and he's like is it safe to say at least 200 million dollars and she's like um that's a fair guess so yeah and that was only from Richard DeVos personally and again not not even that's her father-in-law and then like I said her father is literally a billionaire mm-hmm who is then donating to her husband's family's foundations and all of that. It's uh, extremely messy. Um, and actually, there is a Republican representative, Sue Myrick, who was an Amway distributor. She ended up serving nine terms in Congress. Nine. Her first campaign to, to um, become a representative was in 1994. Half of the funding for her campaign was through Amway fundraising done through their voicemail systems. So Amway is literally hitting up distributors being like, hey, donate to your fellow Amway distributors uh, election campaign to be a to be in Congress. Whoa. Yeah. And so it's getting a little convoluted <laughs> up in here. Straight up. And she ended up serving nine terms in Congress. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so that I was like, this is truly it, it is the American way. I thought that that was just wild, like the way and there's so much more than that. But those are kind of surface levels, like how deeply Amway is entrenched. Yes. In conservative political culture and in our government in the United States. Yes. And of course, in 1979, they um, when there was four the years loss. after the meeting. Yeah. The FTC decided that Amway was not a pyramid scheme. Um it did not. This is why they decided it wasn't a pyramid scheme. I did think this was interesting because they didn't charge an upfront headhunting or large investment fee from new recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like a hundred dollars. Yeah, it's like seven. I think it's seventy six. Okay. When I looked on their website and also on their site, they do say you can receive a full refund on the seventy six dollars you paid at registration if you cancel within ninety days. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also said that Amway does not prov- promote inventory loading by requiring distributors to buy large volumes of non-returnable inventory, which they definitely distributors are encouraged to take on inventory. I mean, I'm sure you've heard from a variety of different MLMs from LuLaRoe to Herbalife of people literally having like garages uh-huh. and spare bedrooms. I've seen it with my own eyes, baby. Seen it with my own oh, eyes. We're going to get into from that. With friends, uh-huh. However, on their website, they do. Amway does say you can return any unused and unsold products for a full refund and they'll pay for the shipping. Okay. So because of these policies, like, you know, they are allowing people to get out. They're not technically requiring a super big upfront investment. Therefore, it, it doesn't fall under the category of pyramid scheme. So, I mean, I do think that is sketchy with all their political involvement, but also using these these technicalities of how to define a pyramid scheme, they technically don't fall under one. Right. But like you said, it is very it is hazy. It is hazy. And it's, it's also hazy. the structure is super similar because when and and I will be interesting to talk to our lovely guests or interested to talk to our lovely guests because um you know a lot of people's own personal anecdotes with MLMs is that they are encouraged above all else to recruit new people to be distributors. Yes. Yes, that's that's very true. Um and uh you know and you can't call it a pyramid scheme it's you can call it a triangle. Right. It's triangle. Right. Which Anywho. Well, yeah, the typical earnings, I, I looked it up and this is actually on Amway's website income disclosure or their income disclosure on their website. The top 50 percent of Amway distributors make thirty four hundred dollars annually on average. That comes out to two hundred and eighty four dollars a month. Correct. And that's the top 50 percent of their distributors. Correct. So and then Amway as a whole had sales of over eight billion dollars in twenty nineteen. Yeah. And I know that the FT, the FTC had reported um, a few years ago that 99% of MLM participants lose money. Uh, More recently, though, the AARP came out and they found out that the numbers aren't quite that intense, uh-huh. that the AARP found out that 25% of those surveyed made a profit while 27 broke even. Okay. Um, but again, that 25% that did make a profit are the numbers that you're talking about. So it's like technically there was money made. But we're talking 200 bucks a month. And this is something that people are, you know, dedicating their entire time to and being encouraged, right. by the way, to use this as their main source of income and quit their jobs. Absolutely. To recruit more and more people. And that's, I think, where things can get super super dark um you said that you know or have just kind of personal experience i do i have a lot of personal experience with people who are involved in mlms i know for myself growing up in the church 
um, a lot of specifically the moms who I was around were part of different MLMs, um, you know, whether that be Arbonne, Mary Kay, LuLaRoe, um, and then a lot of times in their, their younger, like, daughters who were my age would then get involved in them and we'd always have the parties so there was oh, yeah. always so what you do if you fun. don't know they were fun. <laughs> if you don't know it's typically someone who is a personal business owner which is what they would call someone who uh, is part of one of these mlms would throw a party um and invite like friends and family and people from that area a lot of times it was people from our church and you'd go to a party and they'd be selling the product there um but then they'd also be trying to recruit they would normally do like a little seminar at the top about why you should join yourself Mm -hmm. And then kind of sell the product. At least I would see typically secondarily. There was always the the pitch at the top. And then it was like, here's the product. Well, as yeah. Well. And then you're like, oh, you want these foot masks? Well, also, if you become actually like a distributor right now, you only have to pay this, but you get 50% off right. all right. of the So, of course, it's like super appealing when you hear about this, especially too. It's like, you know, we're a lot of us, like some of us, specifically younger women, were like, oh, you know, a lot of them wanted to have kids. And it's like, you know, I would like to make some money, but also have the ability to stay home with my my kids. So of course it sounded super appealing. So I know a lot of people who got involved in it, but that's, those are a few, that's kind of what the experience that I had seeing the MLMs involved in my church. But I also have, um, some very specific personal experiences, close relationships, very close friendships with with people who were involved in Amway and also some people who left and have told me some things since. Okay. Let's get into this first. Let's bring on our guest. So we're going to have one of our Broad Squad members Yay. join us right now. We're going to bring her on. Oh, and I'm going to turn that air on. So sorry, Broads. Ignore the noise. It's <laughs> hot in Los Angeles, and it's about to get way hotter in here with all this tea. <laughs> okay, Broads, quick pause before we dive way deeper into this and cannot wait to have our amazing guest on. Uh, but first, Broads, if you have been considering birth control or wanting to switch your birth control based on recent events, I'd say the time is Now, of course, sometimes it's easier said than done, but Favor is making access to birth control easier than ever, no matter where you are. Favor, we love them. Um, Favor is actually a new name of a company that we've advertised for in the past. They carry over 120 FDA approved brands and they ship to all 50 states. And most brands of birth control are actually free with insurance or Medicaid, which is a big deal. And otherwise, prices start as low as $7 a month without insurance. And Favor delivers birth control to your door for free in discreet packaging. Um, It just takes a few minutes and your birth control is going to be on its way. And if down the road you decide you want to try something different or maybe have questions about the best birth control for you and your situation, Favor's licensed medical team is just a text away to provide care and support. I personally like very vividly remember when I first went on birth control and honestly it was a little scary. I didn't feel like there was a good resource to get information from and I didn't understand all the options. If Favor was around back then, my life would have been a whole lot easier, but at least we have it now, right? Yes, that is right. And when you go to heyfavor.com slash chatty, Favor is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every Chatty Broads listener who becomes a patient. So that's really cool. Your donation helps low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. So go to heyfavor.com slash chatty to get your first birth control care package. And um, that's where they will donate to help women in need of affordable birth control. Remember, go to H-E-Y favor f-a-v-o-r.com slash chatty hey favor.com slash chatty you have to use that link in order for the donation to be made 
So when it comes to what makes any of us feel good, well, that can change in a moment's notice, right? Maybe one day you feel best working out like crazy for numerous hours, and the next day you feel best curled up in a ball on the couch. Or maybe one day you've got on your slow jams playlist, and the next, it's all about the throwbacks. Feeling good is easy when you've got lots of options on the table, and the same goes for feeling good in the bedroom, which is why Dipsy is my go-to for content that makes me feel oh so good, no matter what I'm in the mood for. Oh my gosh, guys, we've been talking about Dipsy for, I think, actually years now, but for good reason. This is a sexy audio story app, guys. It's full of hundreds of short, immersive stories with any scenario you're wanting to explore. They have so many options. Maybe you want to hear about two coworkers finally getting together. Or maybe you want to hear about the yoga teacher who makes a move on their student. That might be your fantasy. I don't know. The scenarios are so immersive, it literally feels like you're in the middle of the action. You just put in some noise-canceling headphones, boom, you're right there with the characters in a very sexy way. Plus, Dipsy releases new content every single week, so you always have something new and exciting to explore. And I insist... I insist. Take your time in the content library while you're on the app. Dipsy has so much to offer. Uh, For one, they just launched a collection of written stories, which is great for the um, visual learner, if you know what I mean. But they also have a collection of sleep stories, wellness sessions, and soundscapes all designed to help you wind down, relax, and feel good. And I just have to say, it's none of their content is corny at all. You really have to see for yourself. It is very impressive and uh, very erotic. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy's offering an extended 30-day free trial. When you go to dipsystories.com slash chatty, that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash chatty. That's like a dip in the sea, dipsystories.com slash chatty. And with us here, we have one of our Broad Squad members, Kirsten, joining us. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I was saying at the beginning of the episode, like you and I were DMing. I don't even remember why you you brought up like, yeah, I was kind of like raised in an Amway cult and it was kind of crazy. Didn't realize that not everyone had the same experience. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I responded to one of your DMs, which... Anytime anyone ever responds to me, even if they have like one follower, I'm like, (laughs) so I was not expecting you to respond. I think you were, it's funny, just how we talked about it was you were talking about the um, Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial and how people are just like jumping on one side or the other. And I said, well, once someone like believes what Mm. one person like believes some sort of influencer or, um, authority figure influential figure yeah believe, yeah anything they say and i said it's like how christians hated justin bieber until Jesus <laughs> was like i like justin bieber i'm friends with him and then everyone's like justin bieber <laughs> all the parents are like you can go to the concert now you can listen to the music oh, now yeah, sure, anointed sure. by the lord <laughs> yeah, love him he sang a worship song once and everyone's like yeah um and i actually i had gone to for the church formerly known as city church for a while. Oh okay. yeah. And that's yeah. what we're talking about. You were like, Oh my gosh. I, bet oh, that was crazy. Yes. And I was like, you want to hear crazy. <laughs> I grew up in Amway, like <laughs> deep in Amway. And you were like, what? 
<laughs> I didn't know. So I didn't know until really going into all of this how Amway in particular had, we were just talking about it for 30 minutes, very kind of insidious ties and roots into like the Republican Party and just the government in general and the president and all of that, all based with yeah. this, this, um, this idea of family values and the true Christian America and like all of that wrapped into it, uh, yeah. which also was really dark as I was going into it because the reason why I feel like MLMs like Amway in particular get away with it, it is because they're built upon this fundamental belief, which is really popular in conservative Christianity that like, um, if you are not succeeding, if you're not making money, it's because you're not trying hard enough. Just in general, mm -hmm. like with people who are homeless, who are addicts or whatever, it's like, well, you're there because you're not you, you didn't try hard enough. And uh, just listening and, and reading stuff online, it's the same thing with Amway. If you're not making money, if you're only making 75 bucks a month or you're not turning any profit, it's because you are not working as hard as you should be. And I th feel yeah. like that's why it works. Yeah. Well, and the phrase that's used is um it works you're just not working it um that yeah, yeah yeah that that was the phrase that was used and um so actually there's there's something to clarify which is really unique from what i understand i don't know a lot about other mlms <laughs> thank god <laughs> because um in fact i there's very much this like it's like, I'm not like other girls energy, okay. in MLA, which I totally believed. Like I, I grew up very like anti MLM. I was like, no, MLM suck. This is a legitimate business. And so, um, I remember so distinctly after I had left, which I'll give a quick like recap of my background. Yes, story, please. But, yes, yes. Um, after I had left, I was listening to the Nexium podcast, oh, yes. which is like full on like, like physical, sexual, mental, emotional abuse, yeah. um, cult. And I remember being like, I like burst through the front door and I was like, honey, there's so much about this. That's like the exact same. And wow. I was like, oh, it is just another MLM. Like it is mm. just like all the other MLMs. Like, it was so weird to me to realize that, but yeah, my background is, um, before I was born, um, long before I was born, I think about 10 years before I was born, um, my parents and my grandparents um, got involved in Amway. And something about Amway that I do think is different from other MLMs is that um, there's something called lines of affiliation, which is really where all the like training and mentorship and the culture comes from. So mm -hmm. I grew up in um, an organization called Worldwide Dream Builders, which is just, just <laughs> name. This is a great name, but people just called it Worldwide or WWDB. Um, very rarely did people call it Worldwide Dream Builders because I think there was even like in it a little <laughs> self-awareness <laughs> so people just called it worldwide and we're like oh yeah we're all over the world yeah that's why um but um yeah so I grew up in it <clears throat> and not just like someone who was like oh yeah I grew up and my parents worked at Microsoft or I grew up it wasn't what my parents did it was as important to us as our religion, it was, um, it was the culture of everything that we did, like every family decision. 
and it was a um, family mission. And so that's how it was spoken about okay. was this is the calling on our family. And I have two older brothers and all of us were just completely sold out. Like it wasn't to, to me, it wasn't, um, this is something that we're involved in. Like, you know, my brother did football. That's something that he's involved in. It, it wasn't like that. It wasn't it was an identity. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even what my parents did for Like it was who we are a hundred percent an identity. And so when I, um, graduated high school, it was time for me to do my thing. Um, this is something I've really been working through because I actually love school and academics. And mm. I really, in my heart, wanted to go to college so bad. But yeah. college is speak, spoken of horribly. Mm. It is it is the most stupid thing you can do is go to college um, in that culture. And so for me, it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't an option. It was like, well, it's an option, but it's the wrong choice. Dumb one. Like, yeah. Right. You used to go to it, but it's foolish. And something about my personality is I am very, um, I really want to be seen as wise. And um, especially I, for whatever reason, like haven't cared as much about the opinion of my peers as I have about people in authority over me or people that are Mm -hmm. older than me. And I really, I saw the generation above me be so disappointed in my generation. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be one of the people they were like, you give me hope for the next generation. Right. And so even though I wanted to go to college, it really never actually crossed my mind to do it because I was like, the right thing to do is build this, my Amway business. Right. And so um, it took me a couple of years after high school because I really didn't want to do it. So it took me a couple of years to be like, all right, well, I, I got to do something. So, because I was a live-in nanny. And so then I, yeah, finally started and um, I did it, really did it. Like did actually the teachings. I didn't, I didn't like mess around. Like I was actually doing, they have something called core, which is all the things that you have to do. If you're going to build your business. And I, I did it for a solid, I think like year and a half. I was really doing everything. I was like showing plans. I was, yeah, I'm I was like, what, say, is what, is what does this look like? What does yeah, yeah. core involve? Yeah, what does this look like? I'm also yeah. curious, which you don't have to go into it right now, yeah. but I am curious too, when you're talking about this identity, what is that, what did that look like practically in your home? You know, like, are you sitting around listening to teachings together? Like kind of what, what is that? Yeah. yeah. So we'll go, I'll, I'll answer that question yeah. first and we'll get back to core. So what it practically looked like, and this is looking back, there is some stuff that is genuinely hilarious. Like I have a great sense of humor about it. So you all can say anything and it won't affect me because there is some okay. stuff that I'm like, oh, hell no, we didn't do that. Like, yeah. Once yeah. In a, while, like, a memory will pop up and I'm like, we did that. Yeah. Like you've like, yeah, you've buried it. And then it just comes. Sure. Of course. Yeah, framed photos of the diamonds on our wall. <laughs> Like in your kitchen or something like you had you had photos framed of these diamond members. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. My dad was like, um, and to be fair, I I definitely had so much anxiety. Like I thought long and hard about coming on this because I was like, this is going to be out in the world. Like what if my family is this? My parents are still very heavily involved. Uh, But then I was like. Nobody in my family is going to find this podcast. <laughs> we'll, keep it, we'll keep it under wraps. And we so appreciate you being willing to come on, by the way. It means no, a lot. Of course. Uh, but, you know, I don't think you guys have a lot of crossover audience with Ben Shapiro. So yeah, like, not, not normally. Not yet. But, you know, there's always time. 
Um, but anyway, so yeah, um, practically what it looked like was um, a, a really big part of core is listening to a audio recording every day. So when I first joined, it was tapes. Um, we love to listen to business tapes in the car. And actually as a kid, I loved it. Um, there's something called like, so there are like teaching ones, like seminars. And then there are rallies, which is people telling their story of how they motivational. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I loved those. And there were some people that were really, really funny. And actually, um, I'm super weird in that I, I absolutely love public speaking. So listening to these public speakers was fascinating to me. Sure. And also being like, one day I can do that. I can mm-hmm. stand in front, on a stage in front of thousands of people and just tell totally. my story. Like, it was just a dream for me. Um, so, yeah, like, I remember we would just even being in like buckled in like a five point harness, like listening to CDs. Um, we did a lot of, I grew up in Montana. So we did a lot of driving um, between my grandparents' house and our house, which was five hours away. And so we would just listen to these all the time. Um, we talked about it. It was like our family business. Uh-huh. Um, I remember going on a hike and um, when you hike in Montana, you have to make sure you make a lot of noise so you don't scare the bears. And um, so we came up with a song that we would sing. Um, and it was, yeah, I don't even think I could make it through it now, but it was like when daddy goes out to show the plan, hurrah, hurrah. And we're, like, um, we're like singing these songs that we made up for it. Um, we we talk about it. It, it was like, that's that's kind of like the culture the family culture in like a religion sure right this is what we talk about every day this is who we are this is our family vision um and that's a lot of what was talked about on the cds too like this is a legacy business this is a family thing did your parents have any other jobs or were they doing amway like full-time yeah so that's another weird part of my story is as involved and like completely sold out to this as we were Something that really scarred me and I had to really work through as an adult was my parents were never really successful. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no idea what the finances of theirs looked like. Um, They were at a level that's called platinum, um, but that's like just like the baseline level. Like at that level is where you get to wear a name tag at the functions. Mm -hmm. And so people like everyone knew who my dad was. My mom's a much more quiet person, would really keep to herself. So like people knew who she was, but she was not like my dad's like a really outgoing, extremely charismatic person. And so everybody knew who he was. And that made me feel really good. Like I felt yeah. really important. Like I'd walk around and be like, I'm Greg's daughter. Right? Yeah. And look like my whole family, like <laughs> I could never convince anyone. I'm not quite, like, we are all yeah. the Brady bunch. carbon like, copies. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's yeah. It's crazy. Um, and, um, so sorry. <laughs> I was wondering if they have any other jobs or was that kind of like the main source of income? My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And um, so my, I never knew my mom to have employment. She always worked within the home and then like did the books on the business and everything. And then my dad uh, was a really successful salesman. He sells uh, appliances, still does to this Uh day. Um, And then the business was something like on the side. Um, and I think honestly, if I were to guess, I would say my parents probably made enough where they they were like kind of 
breaking even or turning a little bit of a profit, sure. but it was never anything to like live off of or anything. Do like you that. think right. that the reason you said they're even now very heavily involved, do you think it, it come came down for them? Obviously you can't speak to their experience, but on having this camaraderie and like a tight knit like culture. Cause otherwise why would you continue per- pursuing it for decades if you're not turning a major profit? No, a hundred percent. And that's something I've had to think a lot about where I'm like, what, like, why? Like it, it right. never worked for you. And for me, after a year and a half of like churning and I was like, this isn't, I'm doing everything I'm taught and I, I'm going nowhere. And also I'm like, I hate this. This sucks. Yeah. And yeah. um, so I think for my dad now, I want to be careful telling my parents. Sure. Of course. course. You don't know their, they don't know their experience. Yeah. And there's a lot interwoven um, with some mental health um, issues as well as there's a lot intertwined with like growing up Christian. So there are some things where I'm like, this was Amway. This was Christianity. This was mental health. This was all of it together. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I think the biggest thing, especially for my dad, because my dad has really always been the charge. I think my mom, um, is very much just along for the ride in a lot of ways. Um, but he gets a lot of respect there. Um, they really talk you up. And this was something that I really had to, cause I grew up feeling like I had a great childhood. Mm-hmm. And then when I came into adulthood, I was like, wait a minute. And it took me a lot of time to square away when like counselors and friends and people, I would tell them stories about my life. They're like, that's abuse. And I was like, but I didn't feel abused. So Mm -hmm. no. Um, But it took me a while to realize that like abuse environments can be positive. They can feel positive. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. If the thing that people are really encouraging in you is something that's hurtful and harmful to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my dad is extremely well-respected in that arena. He's, he's really highly spoken of, um, even though I wouldn't say that he's like super successful in the business. Um, but he's talked about as this strong, like he stays at it no matter what he's faithful. And, um, I think they also talk about like this one leader always talks about snip, snip. Like that was his thing. He always says snip, snip. If someone talks negatively about you, (laughs) get out, snip, snip. Like it's like that was like a thing he would yeah. always like a shorthand for just cut people out of your life and so when you've been involved that long and you've alienated that many people and you it's extremely like what they teach you to do makes you very vulnerable and it mm. makes you in need of them because when you have told people off and snipped them out of your life and said of course really weird and outlandish things to people you don't, you don't have community outside of them to speak of. So then even if you're not being successful, it's like, well, this is all I have. Right. It's really hard to leave abusive relationships because if you don't have something outside of it to, to grasp onto. Right. When I left, I was terrified because I knew I was like, I'm losing, I'm going to lose everything. Mm. And, and and I did. (laughs) I think people say like, Oh, your worst fears won't come true. Every one of them did, except that my husband, uh, we were just dating at the time. And when I went to tell him, I was already in love with him. He was actually with my downline. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So he was still involved and I was in love at this point. And um, 
I knew I was like, he, he's going to continue. I had no idea that he was having doubts as well. And so I was like, I'm going to tell him I'm leaving and he's going to break up with me. Mm. And when we were at the restaurant, I, um, it's weird. I'm not like a talk to myself sort of person. Uh, but I actually, I was, I was so nervous that I got up and I went to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I said out loud, you're, you're going to be okay. Like he's mm. going to break up with you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be okay. And uh, when I told him, he actually was silent for a really long time. He's super introverted and he thinks a lot about his thoughts and I'm not. And so I'm like, speak. Yes. <laughs> just, just Tell break up with me and be just, done with it. Yeah. Finally, it was like, me too. <laughs> like, I'm also. Wow. And then I was like, well, good news because we get to stay together, but also you need to know that a shit and hell storm is going to rain down on you because you're going to be blamed for me leaving. Whoa. It's like, yeah, I know. And that's exactly what happened. Do you think that's because he was under you on the downline? Yes and no. Um, so this was another really terrible thing that was always said. So it's, I think a lot of other, from what I understand, a lot of other MLNs are pretty female dominated, um, at least worldwide is very male dominated. And so having a young female was very, uh, oh, I was like a celebrity. I, I had done nothing. I had exactly one downline who had exactly one downline. Okay. This was the entirety of my, my business. Right. Everybody knew like my, my, uh, there's a messaging system called communicate and my Kate's were passed around like by like the big, big head honcho shared them out because it was like, here's this young on fire gal who's doing it. And she's building a business. And she's like a 18 year old girl, which in and of itself, (laughs) a big fat issue. I'll talk about some predatory situations I got put in because of that. But, um, so the reason that I knew it was going to come down on him is because this was my whole life, my whole life growing up. Sure. I, again, wanted to please the, the older generation. So I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I always talked about becoming a diamond. And then when I, you're supposed to counsel about absolutely everything. And when I met my husband, um, I was like, you know, I showed him the plan and everything so we met, showed him the plan. And, um, within just a little bit, I was like, Ooh, I'm really interested in this guy. And, you know, he was interested in me and we started dating and I counseled. Now, a lot of people would counsel if they were date or not. I was never like that. I was like, Oh, screw that. I'm an adult. I'm going to do this. But I was like, how can I do this? Right. Because he is my downline. Like Mm -hmm. how, how do I do this correctly? And the big head honcho guy counseled back and he's like, I've seen this happen all the time. You know, you're, you're going to meet a boy and you're going to get stupid and you're going to leave and you're going to lose your dream and you're going to lose it. And, and you know, you're going to fall in love and he's going to steal you away. And I was like, that's not going to happen to me. And uh, so then when I on my own at that time yeah. was like, oh, this I need to leave. Um, there, there was there was the fear of losing him. But then there was also the like I knew it would protect him if he stayed. But then when he was like. No, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh shit, you're going to get blamed for everything. You're going to get blamed for all my choices and all the changes I go through are all going to be put on you. And he was like, yeah, I know. Um, and, and it's exactly what happened. So 
even just like just the the foundation of you saying that you knew when you told him that you were leaving the business that he was going to break up with you just that that goes to show that's so much more religion affiliated like oh you're telling someone i'm not a christian anymore and i leave versus in you know let's just say another business let's just say evan and i you know have the same we work at the same pr firm and one day i tell him i'm gonna leave the pr firm and i'm gonna go work somewhere else like i would never think oh he's gonna break up with me because i'm doing something else right yeah Well, and also I actually had recently listened to the um, episode where just your Becca interviews you and I was so moved in so many ways. And one of them was when you said that you finally told Evan, you're like, I I can't Mm -hmm. do this. Like whatever happens by me telling you, like I need to tell you and come what may, like it's going to happen. And that's what I knew. And I wanted to leave. I left pretty quickly once I made the decision, but I was in denial for a really long time because Mm -hmm. I knew I'm going to lose everything. And I grew up incredibly tightly knit my family. (laughs) What I have learned is called enmeshed (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, with my family. And I did it it, like it broke my relationship with both of my parents. Um, I have come to mend my relationship with my dad um, and my mom and I are still, (laughs) we're still getting there, but, um, and that's mostly not Amway. That's mostly other stuff with my mom, but I I knew it would break my parents' Mm -hmm. hearts because for them, it was their mission. And it is, it is so much more helpful to look at it like a religion. Don't look at it like a business because it's not. It's a religion where people's finances are tied to each other. Mm -hmm. Which that, I guess, sort of falls under the definition of a cult. Because like I was looking up the characteristics last night. Like there's kind of three defining characteristics. You've got one, the group is focused on a living leader to whom members display excessively zealous, unquestioning commitment. Would you see that? Like, do you see that in with the leaders of Amway? A hundred percent. And that is where that was like the one like thread that got pulled that completely undid the whole tapestry for me Mm. was that it's like when you join, you go through the process. So they've kind of changed how you recruit people. You Mm. take them through a process because it kind of emotionally, or it's like kind of like a psychological trick to make them feel like they're trying to earn something. And you say like progressively, like more extreme things that we believe throughout. And I think it's like, you, whether consciously or subconsciously, what it is, is they, you need to get to a place or they need to get you to a place where you don't question anything because the leaders are infallible. And and it's very much a culture of haves and haves nots. You counsel about everything from how to raise your child to your marriage everything, which is absurd to think that just because someone makes a decent amount of money means they're great at raising kids. In fact, yeah. <laughs> like, would you, counsel, you know, yeah. so um, you counsel about everything and which really psychologically makes you feel like these leaders are infallible mm-hmm. and everything they say, you just take it face value. And, but I think every, most of the people I've talked to that have left they have the one thing that they were like, I couldn't get myself to believe that. Cause there's a lot of stuff they would say that I would be like, Oh, I didn't think that, but you just earned an hour. You're like, but they're right. 
So I must be wrong. Mm -hmm. But each person has that one thing. There's like a lot of little things that they're like, oh, well, I guess I'm wrong. Oh, oh, I guess I'm wrong. But then there's that one thing that hits that you're like, I I can't do that. I, I cannot. And then once you go, well, if I can't believe them on that, then they are fallible. And then everything goes up for question. And then that's when the house of cards comes tumbling down. And for me, it was when the the biggest leader i I don't know like i like i don't know if i could get a defamation suit for this but the the biggest leader um he is like the godhead Ah, like everybody believes everything and looking back my mom really didn't like him (laughs) i don't want to go to another meeting of his he says the same thing every time and we're like you're just not bought in and And now looking back, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Right? He is crazy. I'm so sorry. It wasn't you. It was him. Um, but the thing that for me was like, I was like, oh, hell no. I cannot get on board with that. Was he shit talked his own daughter from stage to hundreds of people who knew exactly who she is and was. And um, she had gotten married and then with, and it was like, he talked about it all the time, a $3 million wedding, $3 million wedding and talked about it so much. And, um, and then she got divorced within like a month or two. <gasps> oh, which no, nobody knows what happened. Sure, like, sure. I have no idea what happened behind closed doors. Um, and right, I mean, there was no reason if someone wants to get divorced to get divorced. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, also, it doesn't matter. Right. right? Like, it, it doesn't. Um, but he took like took her ex-husband's side very clearly would still call her ex-husband my son. Ooh. Hmm. And she went to college. He has three kids. All were involved with the business. Only one of them, her, went to college. And he had said from stage, he goes, we have three kids. We've only sent one to college. And, sh- and that's the only one we have issues with. Oh, dear. And I was so livid when I heard that as the exact same demographic she's that man's only daughter. I am my dad's only daughter, which mm. to be fair, my dad would have never said anything right, like that. Like right. all that thing, like my dad would have never. And I think that was something that was so hard for my parents is they were told all these extreme things about people who quit and then their daughter did it. And they're like, but I can't believe those things. Right. You, you right. know, and I think my dad has since said, he's like, I felt so hurt and disappointed when you quit, but I didn't want to. And I was like, I know you didn't like, I know you so desperately didn't want to feel the way you did, but you did. And that's kind of what was going on in his mind. And so I just gave him time and we've come back and it's all good. But that for me was, I was like, you can't stand on a stage in front of hundreds of people and shit talk your daughter when it, it doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter why she got divorced. She did. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you spent on her wedding. That was your choice. Mm-hmm. And for you to basically disown her and talk crap about her. And that disgusted me. Yeah, and that shame. was the one thread where I was like, that's clearly wrong. Mm-hmm. So then my brain went back and thought of all the things he ever said that I was like, that's an extreme thing to say. And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't agree with like any of that. Mm-hmm. And if I can't be in denial about that anymore, 
And that's when it all came tumbling down for me. Do you think there was any of that unraveling that happened with your parents when you left? Do you think there was any maybe, uh, you know, any points when you left? I just wonder if there was encouragement by your parents, peers, et cetera, to kind of like talk shit on you like leaving. And I wonder if they had any sort of experience like that. I have no idea because I never came back, although for about a year afterwards, anytime my mom was at like a meeting or a major function, she did like text me and be like, I miss when you were here. I miss when we were all together. Um, so, so that was, that was tough. That was really hard for me, but I don't, I, I don't know. The short answer is I don't know, but I know my parents enough to know they would never shit talk me. They, they just wouldn't. Um, and that's actually been something that I've been like, give me a little space in my adult life. Um, and I, I even felt like my parents, I was like, you guys like almost worship me. Like I'm, I make mistakes, like give me space. So that was never an issue with my parents. And I never was worried about that. I just knew it would be really hard for them, like that cognitive dissonance of having people that they respect and and feel are their leaders. And when I say this, I really do mean more my dad saying these things about quitters. And um, they even said, Brad even said, like, I get people who don't get it. They're just dumb. They just never get it. The worst people are people who get it and then don't and then leave. So it was like, I was the worst of all the persona non gratas. Mm-hmm. And I know there's no good reason to quit. There's no reason to leave. And so I knew what was being said about me and my kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I knew that that was something that my dad and my mom had to, to sit through. And I think that was also very hard for them because they were like, well, no, like we don't think that about our daughter. We like very much love her. And I know that my parents really are, it's just, it's just really hard for them to be like, I, I just never pictured your life this way, which I'm like, listen, I'm like gainfully employed in a really stable relationship, <laughs> like doing really well, but yeah. it's just hard because those things aren't valued. Like I got a job at Microsoft um, and I was so proud and I like called my face and the answer was like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even have an undergraduate degree and I got a job at Microsoft. Like this is a big deal. Like yeah. listen to me, you know, um, but it's just not valued. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you think people are convinced to stay if they're losing, if they are literally like struggling financially because they're continuing to maintain ties with Amway? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great question. I think everybody has a different reason, sure. but mostly all those sacrifices are actually talked about. And this is something that's so insidious. It's talked about in a really glorifying way. I remember taking notes. Also very religious. Yeah, totally. Like uh, self-sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. I remember taking notes of the, um, the like terrible things about my car or like the shitty things in my life to share from stage one day as like a badge of honor. I remember being like my car, like the worse your car was before you went diamond or Ruby or whatever was like this huge badge of honor. It was like, I remember (laughs) so ridiculous that thing got like the daughter 
of, you know, who's like, you know, yes, rich and whatever. Um, well, I mean, we don't know how much money. Actually. Sure. That's the other thing. We always say multi multimillionaire in right. the Seattle area. And I'm like, who is it though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, but um, everybody was praising her because her dad bought her a car as millionaire parents do when their mm-hmm. kids turn of age, you know, borrow a car. This is a normal right. thing. Um, but she sold it and she drove an old Astro van and everybody was like, oh, she's so like, that's so like, that's such a good thing to do. Like, good for her. And, you know, I remember my, um, my brothers and I were like, oh yeah, our crappy cars are such a badge of honor. Like, mm. and I remember like taking notes. I had a note on my phone for the longest thing about like the weird things my car did, because I was like, which so dangerous to have just like this 18 year old girl who's supposed to be out all hours of the night prospecting strangers to get into a business opportunity. Yeah. I have two very sketchy situations that put me in that I was talking about with my husband, even last night. And we we're both just like, yeah, that was really bad. And I was just like, yeah, like you just talk to strangers. Yeah. What's, yeah, right? what's the expect- expectations of how you're supposed to recruit others? Obviously, you only found your husband in the recruitment, but that's actually pretty good. So you can probably thank Amway for that, to be honest. For the life of your oh life. Oh my gosh, seriously. I'm like, that was the one thing. And he like got in, was involved for a little bit. And he's super introverted. And I remember his his parents, oh my gosh, my in-laws are amazing. His parents were like, just very like his dad knew he was like the way he talked about you. He was like, he was like, he kept talking about his mentor. And I was like, <laughs> name? is it a girl's name? <laughs> Cause I bet it is. <laughs> um, and um, so he was in and then met me and then pretty quickly was like, this is not as advertised. This was mm-hmm. nothing you said it would be. And I was like, I know. Like, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I'll marry you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so core is um, yes. it's like I think it's 10 steps and I won't be able to remember all of them now. Thank God. Um, but it's like if you do all of these every day, if you're core, that's what's going to get you to, to diamond. So if there was ever any point where you're like, I'm not making any progress, it's like, well, are you core? And you're like, yes, every day for seven months, except for one day. And they're like, that one right. day, yeah, you yeah. would have met your platinum leg that day if you hadn't gone out. <laughs> um, and I actually remember my dad said that after like 10 years of just like churning the wheel, he like called his upline and was like, just tell me if this won't work for me, he's oh, like, God. honestly, if I'm one of those people it won't work for, just tell me now and I'll leave. I'll, I'll be done. And this is, there are a few things that I'm actually angry about. And this is one of them is his upline who had no financial vested interest in him because he was so far right. ahead mm-hmm, that it really mm-hmm. wouldn't affect his income at all said to my dad, like, it works for everyone. You just have to keep faithful to the, your faithful, your hand to the plow. And I just, that just makes me so angry mm-hmm. because the only reason he would say that is to keep up the lie that it is for everyone. You can't ever tell someone like, maybe this isn't a wise choice for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. All of the evidence that it wasn't a wise choice for my family, but you your lie would be exposed if you lovingly and kindly told this person, like, this isn't for you. Right. You know? um, but yeah, core is like listening. 
you have to listen to a CD every day. You have to be on Kate every day, which is communicate, which is like the like kind of internal app. Um, one piece is <laughs> there's something called photo streams. They want, and this is kind of newer, but they, well, it was when I left, which has been several years now, but they want everybody to have an iPhone so that you can, they can do like a photo share and then the diamonds to keep you motivated, post pictures of their lifestyle mm-hmm. and all the rich things they have, which to be fair, most of them have other ventures because most multimillionaires kind of diversify their income. Of course, stream. of course. So I'm like, what's that? But okay, um, which you are heavily encouraged not to do at lower levels. In fact, you are encouraged to not even save for retirement, mm-hmm. um, or cash out your retirement if you needed to pay for something. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> going to major. <laughs> yeah, yeah, going to major functions, um, and uh, you're supposed to drop the message which is, you know, basically present kind of, you know, put a little bait out for someone, see if they bite 10 times a day to 10 people a day. Oh my gosh. That is just so much. (laughs) Oh yes. Oh, it's so much. And they always say that this is the problem is it's presented. Like you can become a multimillionaire in your spare time with like 10 hours a week and have freedom. But the people who do that, it is their lives. Right. We would be getting Kate's on Christmas day. And it's like, it's funny because they talk about companies like having your soul. And I get that Microsoft has like a phenomenal culture, but I'm like, when I'm not working, I'm not working. My brain mm-hmm. is shut off. I got COVID. Like my, my husband uh, works there full-time I'm contract. So I'm actually on one of my six month hiatuses, but um, my husband works full-time and he got COVID and he just like for like two weeks was like, guys, I can't work. And they were like, right. yeah. Sure. You do you still got paid through it, was able to write. And he wasn't worried about being like, my business is going to stall out. Like they tell you, don't go on vacations. Don't like, it's all about being single minded. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it really, it siphons off your life until everything is about that. So that's why you can't leave because you don't have anything outside of it. Right. right? I was going to say, did you have any friends who weren't part of Amway? Oh, heck no. Okay. Oh, that made me make sense. Not. I, although, I mean, that was also kind of like the weird thing, right? Is I cut myself off from all my friends because when they all went to college, it was too hard for me. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. I, I deleted my Facebook. I deleted my Instagram because um, I... I wanted that. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. It was too hard for me. And I remember like crying to my brother and he was like, just think about it in four years, they'll be graduating with a useless degree (laughs) and you'll be a, you'll be like driving a brand new Mercedes or escalator, whatever you want, because you're going to be rich. I'm like, okay. Okay. And he's like, you'll be influential and you'll, you know, and I'm like, okay. That never happened. Um, I drive a Mazda. <laughs> um, Are your brothers still in it? No, that's the other really annoying thing is so my oldest brother, he, um, so I'm the youngest. So it goes, we'll call them brother A and brother B okay. <laughs> <laughs> for their own protection. Um, so brother A, the eldest, um, and then brother B and then me. Kirsten. Um, and so the eldest brother, he actually started as soon as he turned um, 18. Actually, as soon as you turn 16, there are some things that you can do, which don't get me started on that. We'll just call it an even yeah, 18. Right. He's still in high school. Um, in fact, 
he was in the Great Falls Tribune. I grew up in Montana, remember, pretty small town. And I recently found this article. I was looking through my grandma's old stuff and recently found this article where he was like, see that truck over there? I'm going to buy that cash in a year. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just really weird, cringy stuff. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he was very involved for like a couple of years, but he's it's just very messy. You're like 18 and you're being told all these extreme ideologies and then you're just parroting them back out the other side Mm -hmm. um, without, you know, digesting them in any way. And then my middle brother, he joined the military, uh, which is very highly well-respected there, which is something I appreciate, right? Like, you know, respecting the arm for you. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, So he did that. And um, my eldest brother, brother A, I think he's at the point where like if we if you asked him, he wouldn't ever be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not really ever doing that. But he never like made a clean like I'm stopping. I'm leaving. He just like ghosted a little bit. Yeah. yeah so okay. it's funny because I took all the heat, but I was the only one who actually said I'm doing it and then I'm not doing it. Right, he like right. sort of did it and then sort of fade, faded out. Mm-hmm. And part of that was because he, he wound up having a daughter. Um, and so I think that's when he kind of faded out. And then now he um, is doing something totally different. So, but he's kind of still around where it's like, he still buys products. He still like okay. supports my parents and, you know, whatnot. And, and has never said, I won't do it. I've said like, I'm never doing this. This is mm-hmm. not my plan. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. still like, oh, I'm a mine, right. you know? And one then foot in, one B, foot out. Yeah, exactly. And then brother B, um, he uh, has never in any way done it, but goes to all the functions and stuff like that. Um, but he uh, joined the military and then he was a police officer. Um, and now he's going back into the military. Um, and he always talks about it like it's I'm going to build my business one day. So, ah, OK. Okay. It'll happen one day. <laughs> exactly. So he like keeps his one day card and it like right. keeps the demons at bay. Right, right. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I will never. And ah, they attack. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, broads. One more quick pause. I love elevating everyday regular experiences. For example, when I binge watch trash TV, I want to do it in satin pajamas. When I'm sick in bed, I'm ordering fresh squeezed orange juice for the extra dose of vitamin C. And when I'm eating everyday dinner staples like pizza or pasta, I am not using old run-of-the-mill hot sauce. No way. In our house, we are truff people. It doesn't get much more luxurious than truff hot sauce. Oh my God, infused with 100% real black winter truffle or white truffle. I mean, come on, broads, you know, we have been preaching the gospel of truff for forever. There is nothing that tastes better than this hot sauce. Okay, so the truff hotter hot sauce. Um, that's how I was introduced to the entire line of the truff products. But I found out about all the other amazing things that truff has to offer. And somehow I can't love them. I, I, I just fe- keep... Fi- no, no, no. I was going to say I can't love them more. No, I keep finding new ways to love them more. They have hot sauces. They have pasta sauces. They have mayo even. And truffle oil. I cook everything in the truffle oil and it elevates any meal that I make. It is incredible. If you ever make a dinner at home... Just add the truffle oil. Trust me, it's going to be a thousand times better. No question. Plus a little bread, balsamic, truffle oil. Oh my God. Yeah, just just trust me. Try it. 
Also, you have to check out the Truff gift sets, which I think make the perfect host gift if I'm invited to a barbecue at your place this summer. Just know you are getting a Truff set. Also, by the way, I gave my dad a Truff gift set for Father's Day last year, and he absolutely loved it, and now he's completely hooked. Welcome to the club. Uh, Truff is already loved by some of the biggest names in pop culture, like, oh, I don't know, Oprah? Oprah? It was featured on her handpicked gift list three times already and was named bestseller of the year on the Today Show. I think that speaks for itself. This stuff is the best. Get 15% off site-wide with promo code chatty at truff.com. That's 15% off everything at truff, T-R-U-F-F, as in fire, dot com, promo code chatty. So broads, you may know this, but I have been really trying my best to make sure to get in my daily fruits and veggies these days, which the CDC says should equal about six cups a day. That's not an easy number to hit. I don't care how healthy you eat. Well, Brick House is making it a whole lot easier to get yours in with their Field of Greens. Oh, yeah. Field of Greens is awesome. It is a it's so funny because Gray had Gray. I showed it to him and he was like, wait, I can get like all of the greens I need by drinking this. And I was like, okay, well, kind of, yeah, basically. It's a full spectrum of essential vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics. It's all the benefits of eating a variety of whole fruits and veggies in one easy-to-eat-or-drink powder. I like how versatile it is. If I'm in a big rush, I can just mix it with a glass of water first thing in the morning, or I can get fancy with it. You know, I can add it to a smoothie or on top of an acai bowl. I mean, there's a lot of tasty possibilities. The biggest thing that I noticed when I started taking Field of Greens is how quickly I saw a shift in my body, primarily my energy levels. I just felt like I could power through a whole day without any crashing or need for an afternoon nap or caffeine kick. And now I'm sure to start every morning off with my Field of Greens. And like I was saying before, too, like it just makes it so much more simple to know that you're getting in all of those all of those nutrients that you need. Join us and take Field of Greens to help you get started. We got you 15% off your first order and another 10% off when you subscribe for recurring orders. That's that's quite a, a load of savings. Visit field of, fieldofgreens.com and use promo code chatty. That's fieldofgreens.com promo code chatty. fieldofgreens.com promo code chatty. Okay, yeah. wait. So, so back to core though. So you're doing that yeah. every day, and then when it, what are these situations when you're and you don't have friends that are outside of Amway? So who are you supposed to be recruiting? Yeah, that's actually this thing that's so different about it. Like you won't see, not for worldwide, maybe other lines of affiliation, but not for worldwide. You won't ever see those like social media posts. Okay. In fact, there was a guy who was like told to leave. Um which I don't know all the details about it. I like kind of heard it secondhand. Sure. So I can't really say much, but from what I understand, there was someone who was told to leave because he was counseling his downline, like to use social media. Okay. And that was something that was really, really discouraged. So you're not going to see like, do you, know, do you know why it was discouraged? Yeah, because they really wanted to paint this picture that it's like a legitimate business. Okay. okay. And so those things that are really rinky dink, except having, um, meetings at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday in some junky apartment <laughs> that they still did. But everything else was it was like, this is legitimate business. Thing. So you're actually not really encouraged to like show the plan or like recruit your okay. circle of people. Okay. That you already okay. Know. Okay. It's like, no, you go out and you meet people. So um, how are you doing that? 
Yeah. Striking up a conversation with everyone all the freaking time. Um, so it just, I mean, the guilt of like, you just, you're never supposed to be at home. You're, you're never supposed to be um, doing, like you always want to be out and you're constantly talking to people. And um, I mean, I'd strike up conversations with everyone, you know, in the grocery store line and the Starbucks and that you're just always out and you're constantly trying to like engage people. And to this day, like, don't talk to me in public. Like, <laughs> I actually will walk around with headphones in, yeah. I'm, like listening to a podcast because I'm like the freedom. And I'm a super extroverted person. Sure. But um, you're like, this, this is now like, not my business. PTSD. I'm like, sure. Don't, don't even talk to me. I, I got prospected a few times and now I never do, even though I'm in the greater Seattle area. So there's a lot of them around. I'm like, nobody does. And I pride myself on it because I just have that kind of face where I'm like, don't approach me. Right. And also, I just use the hot button of my husband and I both work at Microsoft and that shuts yeah, it down. Yeah, then you're done. Because they're like, oh, they treat you well and you're paid well. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> they'll move on. I had um, a couple friend of Evan and mine who um, we were very close to who years ago cut us. They snip snipped yeah. us out of their life because we wouldn't join Amway. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, and said yeah. that we were we had a loser lifestyle because we wouldn't ah. join Amway. <laughs> um, but I know that they would their regular thing was like there was like the coffee shop below their apartment that like every day they would get fully dressed and like very expensive clothes sharp watch shoes and they would just sit at the at the coffee shop all day and strike up conversations with other couples like young couples and then like yeah. kind of become friends with them and then eventually they would like join their so they getting people to join mm-hmm. yeah i mean i don't know how many right but i knew at least a couple people of other like uh, other friends that we knew who had joined them but a lot of it had to do with the fact too that you know they were a very attractive couple. He had been in a very cool business, which mm-hmm. he completely cut out from his life to do this, which is one of the reasons that they snipped us out because at one point Evan had a really honest, we they were like our best friends. He had a very honest conversation with him where he was like, dude, I, I get you're doing this other thing, but also you're so gifted at this. Are you just gonna like, are you, are you done with that? Like that, that makes me sad. Like this, you've worked your whole life for this. And they were just like, you're jealous of us. You don't understand what, you know, we're, we're building here. And it, that was done. But they have, you know, they cool post business or past businesses, very attractive um, and young at the time. This is when we were younger. And um, I know that they were encouraged. And I know this because of friends who had joined them on their downline downline and since left because they started to get wigged out by some of the things you know, they had said that they were encouraged to, you know, buy things that were out of their price range to present a certain way that they were su- super successful um, to try to draw in other, they were told, attractive, young, cool people. Mm, that that specific thing, all of that rings true except the buying things out of your price range. Um, the sect I found myself in uh, was very much like, Dave Ramsey, which honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have another seven hours. I have <laughs> sure. so much to say about that. Dude. Sure. Get me started. Um, but it was, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. And yeah. I think, I think again, it was this specific location in Orange County 
where they were. So it was very much like needing to present a certain way. As successful. And, you know, uh, going and speaking at events about success that I know for a fact hadn't happened. But because, again, they were an attractive young couple, they put them in front of thousands of people saying how successful they were when I know like for a fact nothing had come in yet in fact there was well that was also me I was talked about really highly right exactly what you were saying it made me think young lady yep who was you know on fire and sold out quote and I hadn't I mean there there was no real success for me at all I had exactly one guy who I sponsored one guy who had sponsored one guy and then I married that second guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I came for. <laughs> well, how would the convert? How are you coached for that conversation to go? Like, this is what I'm so curious yeah. about because yeah. you're have you're having a, a conversation in line with someone at the grocery store at the co- or at the coffee shop. How do you turn this person from like a prospect or whatever into like an actual? How are you supposed to turn that? I wonder if I could remember. Really, what you do is you try to just get them to ask what you do. You just try. And okay. in America, that is so easy. Sure. Because it oh, is yeah. like, it's one of the first things we have. Tell me what you do for a living and then right. I'll decide how I feel about you. Like, <laughs> I'm going to make a judgment call. Yeah. And I mean, like, you guys are like in LA. I'm in the greater Seattle area. Like, yeah. Obviously, it's right? A, Big yeah. time. It's like, tell me what you do so yeah. I can tell yes. you how I feel about you. Yes. Right. Um, and so it's just asking, like, what do you do? And um, I would say, <sighs> let's see if I can remember. What my script, what I, what I always said, I, I found recently a bunch of notebooks where I wrote this stuff down and I was like, burn it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, this is gone. I don't even want to keep this for sentimental reasons. Um, but I would say, you know, I, um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Like uh, like I'm a business owner yeah. that are, you know, they're, I'm, I'm being trained and coached in, in, uh, in business. You know, I have this really successful couple who are, you know, looking to expand, blah, blah. And then you just, Oh, you really? That's interesting. So dropping the message is just basically kind of making it sound like you're being mentored by these really successful business people who are, have some projects. There's actually starting a project here in the greater Seattle area. And they were looking for some people. And, you know, I went through a process and interviewed with them and was able to, to gain and earn their mentorship and you just kind of leave it because that's like a weird fucking thing to say uh-huh. <laughs> right you're like what do you mean yeah people are yeah, gonna ask more questions right, people are looking right that's like dropping the message so you want to do that 10 times a day where you just kind of leave it there and then people are like some people are like what and then also i was 18 so people who are like i think i was like 19 or 20 by the time i actually started it to be honest but like the the some people were like, what? And then people that are my age that like don't know anything about the world are like, that sounds cool. Right. So really? not like that sounds weird, but that does sound cool. Sure, you're like, sure. Oh, really? And so then you're like, yeah. And then you, and then typically they talk about doing the like Columbo, right? We come back and you're like, actually, I mean, they're looking to span. I have no idea if you would qualify or not. Like it's a pretty extensive process, but like if you want and you're looking like I could take your number and mention it to them. And, you know, if, if they have openings or they're looking to interview more people, I can see if I could get your foot in the door. Right. So right. it's again, see, this is how it's different from other MLMs where it's yeah. like, Oh, and then you try, you try to get them in and like, and this isn't how it was 35, 40 years ago when my dad joined uh, back then they called prospecting spearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. Scary. <laughs> Predatory. Yeah. Uh, with this. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so then if people call back and then, you know, that's well, when 
you know, take them through the process and you sit them down and talk to them. It's interesting because I, I heard someone say something. They basically summarized it like how Amway in particular works, but MLMs as a whole is like, we all know us like lay people, normal people. We all know that like rich people have like a secret way that they are, you know, they have like the in on how to make money. And in a lot of ways, it's true. Like just learning more about how stuff works. You're like, damn, if you can get in with like this kind of person, if you can make this kind of investment, you can set yourself up for passive yep. income in a totally legal, like viable, real way. Mm -hmm. If you sure. have a certain amount of like investments up front, yeah. um, whatever. So th there are like these tricks of being rich, but yeah. but they, they described it like people know that there are these tricks to getting rich, but they don't know enough about those tricks to know what's like legit and what's not. And so that's how people can kind of get roped into this kind of thing where they're like, oh, maybe this is like the kind of trick that people are rich people are using to get more money. Um, yeah. They don't yeah. actually understand enough about the systems, but they know enough to know that people use these kind of like, you know different ways to make passive income etc but they don't have a full enough understanding to understand this is not a good way to like get passive income right and they do use really like legitimate business words that get you right it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing mm -hmm. not to get too christian but they they do use those terms that make you feel like right like there would be times i would talk and like adults would be like whoa you're saying a lot right and i would always say i'm really entrepreneurial Right. I'm not. I love my nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I don't want to be like, a business owner. Right. I, like, I my, one of my brothers was like, everybody should own your own business because you could get fired any day. And I was like, well, if you own your own business, like that shit that is extremely unstable. Uh -huh. I.e. COVID. Yeah. But also, if you get fired, you could just get a job somewhere else. Like, totally. So easy. If right. you lose your business overnight, you can't just build one really quickly. Right. Um, that's the other. Oh, I was just gonna say that's the other fallacy, right? Like not everyone is meant to be a business owner. Like not everyone should be. And the reason I say that is just because there is a lot that I've just seen firsthand, a lot of undertaking that is really overwhelming, stressful, You're whatever. A super legitimate business owner. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. um, or just watching it, you know, with my boyfriend and being like, damn, like not everyone yeah. is cut yeah. out for this. And I would yeah. not encourage everyone to do this because it is, it, it can be extremely unstable and really stressful and not fun. So I, I think selling that idea too of like everyone should operate their own business and be their own boss like no i don't think that everyone should be a corporate slave to the man but at the same time like there's that's probably just objectively like not a good idea for everyone oh absolutely and also you're not a business owner <laughs> you're right. best in an independent contractor like you right. don't have any control over anything you can't control the prices of anything you aren't controlling the product like you're controlling nothing right yeah. yeah but what's different about amway i think and and why it has such a different flavor because to be fair versus like lularoe or arbon or any other number of mlms <laughs> What's different about those is they're really single product or product line focus, and it's about selling the product. Right. At least in um, worldwide, we 
never talked about the product. And if it was, it was like a passing thing. And someone even said, if the product was, if, if I could sell bags of flame and poop and it would make me rich, I would do it. Like it, it was really a throwaway. And to be fair, Amway, the company does have some like really good products. Sure. Like some of them are like, like their soap or whatnot are like actually flagship, like objectively good products. Mm-hmm. But it is they have like pretty much everything you would need for your home. So what the plan was, was all the things you're already buying, just buy from yourself, just right. switch them over. So really, they talk about free enterprise, but it's the complete opposite because you are taking what like your your buying power as a consumer is totally taken away. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one time I was living on my own at this point and my parents were at my house and I had bought some makeup that was not Amway makeup and I didn't know what was in the package yeah. at the time I was just opening up a package which honestly like burned me at the stake I should not have done that I should have just keep kept my secret it would have probably been less shocking to my family if I opened up a dildo right then and there but I opened it up and it was my mom was like what's that and I was like oh it's just some makeup thing I bought and she goes you shouldn't be buying that (laughs) okay (laughs) which is funny because at the time I had already quit (laughs) yeah wow yeah um but Uh, So you just switch your buying. So that's kind of what the plan is, right? Is like everything you're already buying, just buy it from yourself by these products. And that's where it gets, I think, in a lot of ways, super predatory too, because you're like the diamond vitamin plan. You are literally coached because most of these people have not two dimes to rub together and whatever they do have, they're pouring into going to functions and right. products and all this stuff, which I recently found out the diamonds profit from not just the products, but like the training materials, which I'm like, right. Yeah. No, I listened to a I podcast. They were that. like, yeah, they were like, basically people can make their they're living a huge living, not just off of like the product or recruitment, but actually the materials themselves, like yeah, selling books, that. selling yeah. yeah tickets, whatever. And someone could make a whole career that. off yeah. of just being a motivational speaker, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I wanted. I was right. like, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. Um, I was like, I'm going to try to get married to a young guy who's going to do all the work and right. then <laughs> we're going to get rich and then I'm going to stand on stage right. and talk. Right. Right. So, right. so when there's like the big rallies, mm. do you have to pay to get a ticket to go to yes. like the events? You pay for everything, hotel, okay. everything. Like, you pay for it all. And if you can't afford it, you are told to sell everything, which is funny because all these upline diamonds could pay for everyone, but they don't. You have to, and that's the sacrifice. They're like, I can't, you know, we can't make the tickets free because that the sacrifice, that's what makes it like, that's what gives it value. And I remember there are times where it's like, someone tells you they can't afford it. Are they sleeping on a mattress? Like you were told to like sell your mattress, which... (laughs) Who's going to buy your mattress? I'm like, oh my God. 50 bucks on offer Honestly, up, maybe. If you're buying second hand, like, no. Um, it's yeah. just when you, it's just like, it's just when you parallel it then with other businesses, that's when it's just like, oh my goodness, like the idea of thinking at my old PR firm, if my boss would have come to me and been like, to be successful, to, to, to you know, become uh, an exec at this office, you need to come to our seminar and listen to me speak 
but you have to pay for a ticket to listen to me yeah, speak. Yeah, that's wild. Not, and I'm no, in the office, is, and I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah, not, not to mention it's like almost worse to me than being like this uh, nine to five corporate slave because you don't even have any security, right? Like you have right. no guarantee of no any kind pay, of income nothing. at all. Yeah, there's nothing. Like you're not getting... And, and <sighs> what was hard for me is I grew up in this, right? So it's like sometimes if you grow up in like religion or things like that, right? Like I grew up in, you know, um, conservative Christian, uh, household, mm-hmm. which I was actually listening to one of your guys episode where you're like, what does it mean to be an evangelical Christian? <laughs> yeah. and, right. And I was like, Oh, I know. It's like, it's, it's like you, you're spreading the word. You're an evangelist. Right. You're, you're uh, trying yes. to, to spread the word. Right. And so like, there were so many things that I look back and I'm like, Oh, like as I grew up like that, I can see how that would look really weird to other people, like speaking in tongues or talking about right. all these things. But those are all things I grew up with. They were mm-hmm. very normalized. And there are things about other cultures, right? People talk about the food other cultures eat. Right. It's right. so weird. And it's like, not if you grew up with it. Right. 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 And so for me, there's so much that I slowly unraveled where I'm like, that's super weird. Like that's yeah. strange. And there was so much of it that to me was just so not weird at all. And that's yeah, what's you're so only normal. hard for me. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, it is normal to like hand the reins of your life over to this rich person because they can tell you how to raise their kids. They can tell you all these things. And it was also very like, oh my gosh, one of the things Brad preached was like the 48 hour rule, right? Whereas like, if you're married, you should never go the more than 48 hours without sex. Whoa. Glory. This is in a business conference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, no wonder there's more men there. They're just yeah, like, yeah. yes, a 48 hour rule. Yeah, just like, yeah let's go. Oh my but God. You know, you know, honestly, calling it a business conference will leave you confused. You won't understand. It's it's a religious thing. And not even cult. like religious, like, like Christianity, because that is the dominant thing right. there. But like, it's not even that. It's 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 an own set. It's a it's an ideology. Of right, right, right. Of its right. own. Like I, even my uncle, when I quit, I remember telling him like, it's been really hard with my family since I quit. And my uncle was like, what do you mean it's been hard? Mm. He's like, my son, you know, he's like, I would never be upset at your cousins for like leaving a job. Isn't it just a job? He's like, why, why are you, why would they be upset at you? And I'm like, Oh, you really don't get it. Like it's not, it's, it's not, but he's, I mean, even he was like, you know, they say from stage, if you don't do this, you're either um, ignorant, stupid, or both. And that was the other thing I grew up hearing all the time is if you don't, it's not just that this is a really good idea or this is a really good deal. It's if you don't do it, it is for everyone. It's for everyone. Mm -hmm, And you're mm -hmm. an idiot if you don't do it. It's, it's like, it is gospel to them. Like this is the way, the truth and the life for everyone. And if you don't do it, you're wrong. Um, And I, I remember um, being a little kid and I came down the stairs and my, my dad had hung up the phone and afterwards he just goes, not a wise man. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, he, he decided, you know, not to, not to do it or whatever. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe it's just not for him. Mm-hmm. And my dad goes, it's for everyone. And as a little kid, oh, of course, who so desired to be seen as wise, yeah, that, like imprinted on of me. Where I'm like, oh, this is the wise thing to do. So when I had these desires to like go to college or like date or yeah, which it made dating tricky anyways, but like to do all <laughs> these things outside, it, it was like 
they were things where I'm like, well, that is a bad desire of mine. That is a fleshly wrong desire. And I need to deny myself that, which, you know, but I think get, but, get, but getting rich, different. but getting rich is not. Right. Well, <laughs> so and that's the thing, right? Is it was seen as a calling. And I even right. remember I had a conversation with my brothers and we said, everybody has a calling. How cool is it that ours allows us to be rich? <laughs> weird um so i like that same i mean speaking my language you guys speaking my language because <laughs> like i'm joining well, tomorrow yeah. and also oh, you're like you're your own celebrity basically right yeah. like the dimes and everything are like a celebrity and so that was for me when i realized i was like wait a minute, I don't really want any of this. Yeah. And that was the other thing. I remember showing the plan to people t- near the end there where I literally was in my head being like, I hope you don't join this. You are going <laughs> to hate your life if you do. And then when they said no, I was like, yeah, good blessing to you. Well, that's go, what's go interesting. Yeah. That's, that's the interesting thing is like I was when I was watching this Herbalife documentary, it's like at a certain point when someone's entrenched in it deep enough, they know that the majority of people that they're going to be recruiting, if they do recruit them, are not going to financially benefit. And so there is like this conscious choice. And that's where it got kind of dark when I was watching at least the Herbalife documentary. I was like, damn, this does go beyond like. At, at some points, this does go beyond someone. I mean, people get brainwashed. Absolutely. But there are certain times in MLMs where you're watching someone consciously like saying, well, I'm not going to really give a fuck if this person loses their money and like loses their whatever in this because I need to find a way to get as many of these people under me as possible. Of course, I'm not saying that everyone has this like malicious intent, but there is this sort of conscious choice to like turn a blind eye to how this might affect someone's life negatively. And that's where it does get, get dark. I think um, that's why in, in a lot of ways, I think that's why my dad has never been that successful because, mm-hmm. um, and I still really respect my dad in a, in a lot of ways. And I think I realized at some point that he, he never did the really extreme things. Like he would never counsel someone to sell their mattress. He was not willing to fuck someone over. Right. He was not willing to counsel things like that. And to this day, he still doesn't like, Mm -hmm. he still says like the, like, you know, sell out thing, like extreme, but he, he would not, they, they counsel you to miss weddings. There are people that were like, I didn't go to my sister's wedding. Um, yeah, but she's not the one who pays my bills right. and things like that. Um, but my dad just wouldn't. Um, my my dad was never, even, even when I was like, I've had the same best friend since middle school. And when she was getting married, it was like, I have to go on this trip. And that's something that's like talked down about. And my dad was like, go, mm. like no hesitation. Like mm-hmm. you're going to Lydia's wedding. You, yeah. you are going to be in her wedding. Like I was her maid of honor for heaven's sakes. Like he's like, don't even worry about it. And so I think that those things, it slowly dawned on me where I was like, how can he do all of the core work, which he does and still not be successful uh. and it clicked because I was like, there were so many people who did. And, and they would actually, there were people who would like tell from stage, like exactly what they did. And I'd be so confused because I'd be like, my dad does three times that much, but they would always say it's just a numbers game. And I'm like, mm-hmm false mm-hmm. and it dawned on me that I was like oh he's not extreme enough and mm-hmm. that was something that for me that like where he earnestly believes like there isn't that malicious intent which is why sometimes it was hard for me to speak on or even speak against and why I'm like please don't let him find this podcast because mm-hmm. I'm like 
I get that for you, it's not malicious, but you are stuck. Like people are stuck. Like they have to be in denial because this was something, I think I had this thought before, before I left. It was one of the things that left where I was like, they say anyone can get rid of, and I guess technically, if you look at the business model, technically, yes, right? Like technically it is possible. Technically it's not illegal, right? But at no one point can everybody be. Mm-hmm. For every person that's successful, there's a whole bunch of people under them that aren't yet. And that's how the business model stands. So yeah, if you go forward into eternity, then there's always, right? But but you always have to keep moving along. And that for me really bothered me because I was like, there's going to be no point in my life that everyone that's in my business is successful. And right, 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 right. That was a problem to me because they always talked about, you know, well, at your company, there's only one CEO and stuff like that. It's like, but I don't, I don't aspire to be Satya Nadella. Like I'm not asking to be him. Mm-hmm. And most people in the company aren't, but if I want to move up in the ranks, I can do that. Like that is, and I mean, I talk about Microsoft because that's where myself and my husband work, but that's not, um, and don't think I'm too cool. I'm like in HR, but, um, <laughs> but like, pretty sick. that's not, um, like that that's not the goal like nobody su- suspects that you're you, when you interview there they're not like two to five years right you be satya himself. Right. Right? Right. Like, right this is the actual compensation like this is when you right. level up like this is how you negotiate salary and right here's like your that. insurance here's the here's the salary that yeah, you're buying and into insurance from day one you get yeah, yeah you get benefits yeah. you um, and yeah, that's, I think that's the thing that's hard that for me, where I was like, uh-uh, I can't do that because at no point will everyone that I have recruited into this at no point, will they all be successful and happy? Mm-hmm. Like there will be no stopping point. There will always have to be more. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, like as we're, as we're kind of coming to the end of this discussion, like what have you taken from this? Like, where are you at now just in terms of processing this? And like, what have you taken from this experience of your upbringing and continuing to have a relationship, you know, with your parents, wherever you're at now, while they're still involved, kind of like, I I guess, uh, what's, what's your takeaway as of right now? Yeah. And I like that you say as of right now, because obviously it's always evolving, but um, I feel, first off, I feel incredibly grateful. I don't actually really struggle with a a lot of anger and I wouldn't even say struggle because I think that's just part of the process, Mm -hmm. but actually more of my childhood and and like the pain for my child comes from um, one of my parents actually um, having some pretty pervasive um, mental health problems that went completely unaddressed Mm -hmm. in large part because of Amway actually, which is hard because it's like, when you go diamond, you can sleep when you're dead. When you go diamond, you can deal with it. And so it was always like this, like, we don't talk about our issues before going diamond. Um, So that, that is one thing that's really hard for me. But um, so the majority of where I've like dealt with that is like coming out of like, what has it looked like to, you know, have a parent who has really major mental health problems that went completely unaddressed and and everybody denied and we all just pretended weren't there. Mm -hmm. So that's been a thing that has been more so the focus of my healing. Um, Amway's kind of been a side script. The one thing that still really gets me, it's still really hard to hear people talk about their college experience because I need to square away that I'm never going to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think there are some things that if you don't get them right away, you can always go back. Um, but you you can't go back and have your college years. And so I think that's something that still really stings. Yeah. And it's still something that I'm trying to find peace with. Um, and it's actually been a part of the reason I've been kind of like hesitant. I really want kids, but I'm, it is one of my fears in having kids is that it's going to be hard for me to watch them have the childhood that I wish mm-hmm. I had. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a thing, but you know, we'll see what's brought up when I, uh, when, if, if I am able to have kids, but, um, I think I don't blame myself, which I, I feel really grateful for because I, like what chance did I have? I was born into this cultural cult. Um, but I feel really grateful because when you're born into something that you are told is the capital T truth, and then you find out that it doesn't line up, like you're like, you get into the world and you're like, this doesn't like, this is a square peg and there are round holes here and Mm -hmm. I can't fit this. It really has, like, I have really learned how to be kind of like an independent thinker and and really I, I have taken a lot of that like independence for granted and, or not for granted, sorry, but like I've, um, it has made me a really independent person in ways that I think are really good for me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I follow people on social media that I don't completely agree with. And I listen. And actually, this is something that I wanted to like actually even thank you, Becca, because the way you present arguments on social media of stuff where you're like, listen, here's a legitimate argument from the side that I don't agree with their conclusion. Here's where I disagree from it. And also here's like the way you present that has actually gotten me thinking about several issues where I go, Oh, I never thought of it that way. And regardless whether I come to the same conclusion or not, actually you have changed my mind on one specific thing, but I <laughs> like that, that's really interesting. Um, and I feel like I got that from my experience with my Christian upbringing. Like I feel the same way where I'm like, because I have exactly questioned and deviated from something that I taught was taught was the capital T truth. It now gives me like a different perspective and like a, probably like a deeper understanding of where other people are coming from, like in their truth that they believe and like being able to have, I think it's really cool to be able for all of us to be able to have like that compassion and empathy to look at people and be like, totally get where you're at. Like, yeah, I was, yeah. I get it. Like, and not in a yeah. condescending way, like, Oh, I used to be there, but like, no, I, I understand. Like, right. And I feel right. that way about other things too. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, and it's given me that I think critical thinking about a lot of things. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I have a great sense of humor about it. I, I love to just like drop on people. I'm like, I grew up in Amway. Party anecdote at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and then there are crazy stories about like the time I let a man um, change my brake light at like midnight at a gas station when no one else is around oof. because I was trying to prospect him. Oof. Oof. Um, you know, and like the old man who like I was um showing the plan to and he like brought saffron and was telling me how it was an aphrodisiac and was like sprinkling it on his coffee and offering it on mine. And I was like, oh, no man. thanks. <laughs> Do you want to join my business? <laughs> right. and I went, I like that was so much um so danger. Um but I think for me, it has become a thing where going through something where you're like, if I do what I 
just deeply feel in my spirit is the right thing to do, I'm going to lose everything, which did happen to me. It did like I, my oldest brother, a who he and I were best friends growing up, like best friends. He doesn't talk to me. Mm. He's blocked me on all social media. He doesn't, I don't know if my phone number is blocked. Like he doesn't answer it. Like, like I don't exist to him any longer. And when you when you grow up where everything in your world just like cracks open and you're like, oh, nothing. It is like a really tragic in some ways, but actually a great way to start adulthood uh, because I have built my life from the ground up in a lot of ways. And I feel really, really proud. Like in, when I have times where I feel kind of down on myself, I look out and I go, but look how brave you were. Mm-hmm. And you aren't miserable because you were so brave. And like, it's something that I get to like carry with myself and be like, I'm really, really proud of me. And I think a lot of people, like, it's something I'm really proud of, like, not in like a prideful way, but like, I I am really proud of who I am. Like, I like myself. And I think that's sadly a pretty rare thing to be able to say, but I, I really like who I am. And I can see that I can change and that I can have things that I don't believe and then go, Oh, I, I can change my uh-huh. mind about that. Mm-hmm. Um, or even things that are truth adjacent. Cause that's kind of something that, that messed me up. Right. Is still, I actually still, I would consider myself a Christian though, not like the cultural. Mm-hmm. Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hesitate to say that. Cause I'm like, I think people assume I believe things that I definitely don't want to sure. say that, but I would still say like, I'm a very spiritual person. I, um, I still in a lot of ways, like many of the doctrines, you know, I still would say like, I, I believe those things, but I feel very like independently, like I've studied them. Like I actually went to school and was like studying, like, how do you study the Bible? Cause, <laughs> but that's like a separate thing. But I think when I look and I go, Oh, I can parcel those things out. Like I don't have to just swing the pendulum the other way. I can see the world in a nuanced way. Um, so I, I think it really has, it really has, made me the person that I am, yeah. which anybody who's gone through any amount of trauma said can say like, it's, I wouldn't relive it. Like I, right. I would not go back. If I could go back and change things for my, my little self, I a hundred percent would. Yeah. Um, but I can't <laughs> and it's the world I grew up in and I'm proud of what I've done with it. Um, so I think that that's, that's my takeaway is that I, it, it's made me like what I've done with it. I I feel really proud of, and I am slowly repairing the relationships with the people in my life who desire to have a relationship with me. And Hey, I met my husband through it. Um, We worked at the same place um, where he was a personal trainer at a club where I was the barista, but we would have never crossed paths because not the type of guy who was going to come hit on a barista and, <laughs> and the thing. And I was not going to, I was like hot personal trainer with muscles. <laughs> so, you know, it, you know, if you have to join a cult to find your husband, you gotta <laughs> do, do it. Gotta do. And that's the takeaway from today. The takeaway <laughs> is if you have to join a cult to find your husband, do it, sweetie. 
do it. You can always go back later. <laughs> yes, girl. What you if you change your mind? What if at the end of this we're like, okay, plug Kirsten, and you're like, yeah. So, um, I uh, have my own personal business. Um, you can go to my website Hello, at monat yeah, dot com slash Kirsten. I'm now selling beauty counter. <laughs> I got my eyeliner. <laughs> Just kidding. This does not come from any. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well. No MLM eyeliner today. <laughs> oh my god. No. And I, thankfully, too, I'm like, oh, my my in-laws, I'm like, I when I met you, I was getting your husband, your son into a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> but you still like me. That, is, <laughs> that speaks volumes. Yes. It's charisma. <laughs> exactly. Well, do you have anything to plug? If Do you want people to follow you on Instagram or chat with you if they want to reach out to you? No, I just ask because sometimes people like want to oh, message so about funny. their own my experiences. My Instagram has exactly three photos on it. None of them have my face in them. I really have Instagram to follow people. Uh, yes. But I do feel so, um, so grateful and um you know, like I, like I said, I was so moved just by, by your story and, and feel really appreciative. You know, it's a very, very vulnerable thing to share. And I feel so appreciative that, that you had done that. And, um, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot from you, Becca, in you know, the way you present arguments and, and the way that you present yourself in the world. And I just feel so grateful and feel really, uh, really Kirsten. honored to be able to share my story and, um, the reason I decided to share it was I, I really do hope that it actually can help someone to, to Absolutely. maybe understand. Because I think there's a lot of people that just hate on MLMs. And I think sure. people listen to this. But like what I think I can be helpful is to the people who like who don't. Right. Where they're like, I, I don't hate it or I grew up in it. And like, what's that like? And I think I'd still have compassion toward mm-hmm. people who are in it. You know, I think totally. It's, can't split it. It's not black and white. Nope. Um, so the people who are in it really do with all their heart believe that it's a good thing. Um, yeah. So I think that's, it's just a tough thing, but yeah, thank you so much for, oh my gosh, thanks for coming Kirsten, on. You great to chat. are amazing. Thank you so much for sharing everything and like being so vulnerable. And also I know that you have a job, but also I think you should get into public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> just, become that motivational speaker you yeah. always dreamed of. <laughs> yes. oh, thank you. That, I mean, that would be like my ultimate goal, but I don't want to be one of those people that are like, I just have something to say. So I'm going to say right, right. I need some <laughs> substance behind it. So I am. Oh my God. Also, I'm so sorry. This is like so fangirly, but Becca again, ooh. when you posted when you were pregnant, you're like, I'm going back to school. Like I mm. saw that post oh, and started crying because I was like, I don't want to go back to school. Yeah. And so long way home, 27 years old. And I'm in my senior year of college. Are you, <laughs> are you, are you yes, serious? Oh my gosh. That is a happy ending. Oh wow. God. That is so cool. Yeah. So you know proud that, of you. I know that you weren't able to have that college experience, but the fact that you're Dude, doing that's this, so awesome. that's incredible. Yeah, Congratulations. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So hopefully, you know, one day I'll be able to like, like that would be my goal was it's to be a public speaker in in some sort of right so so hopefully i'll be wise enough in something that would yeah. have some sort of value to add to the world one well, day i don't know i see maybe you know, a mlm ted yeah, talk recovering in the MLM ted yeah, talk. yeah 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 maybe that oh my gosh yes well i mean i talk all the time and i always say to my husband thank you for coming to my ted talk and then he always says ted talks are only 15 minutes <laughs> well we said at the top of this episode it's funny you say that because we go this is not a ted talk we used to say that all the time on the 
podcast, but this yeah. is not a TED Talk. So yeah, thanks for coming to our TED Talk. Thank Roz, you. With us and Kirsten. Kirsten, thank we you so, so much for joining you. this. And oh my God, thank you. <laughs> and we'll chat soon, Brad. Chat soon. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.